and welcome to Book Talk. I do hate to start out on this type of note, but if you talk and you talk out loud, I've instructed the moderators to remove you from the meeting. So if you're inclined to do that, please go now because you will be removed and I don't because we're recording this and we want our podcast to come out as as good as possible. So if you're going to do it, you better go now if you think you're going to talk out loud because you will be removed. So saying all of that, welcome to Book Talk. And we're back for another week. We want to tell you about a couple changes we made today. Number one, if anybody's had any problem with security and the server, that is now all fixed worldwide. So that's a problem. We had to get a brand new or a upgraded certificate for more security. So that's been done. The book... The book talk has a mailing list, so you can go to legendoldies.com, click on talk shows, and then scroll down to subscribe to the mailing list. And you say, well, why would you want to do that? If you want all the links that Nolan and Jenny talk about during the show, please, that's how you're going to get those. So you will need to subscribe to get all of those links. And the first podcast was just posted. Also, it'll be another week or two before that goes to iTunes, and you'll be able to do it on your on your um, devices. Sorry, Bill. Um, Right, that happens again. Bath gone. I just we just explained those instructions to people because we are running a podcast. And I don't want to come across as a mean or a bad person, but but we just have to do it. Okay, let's turn it over to the host, Jenny. You want to introduce Nolan? Well, here we are back again, everybody. Welcome to Book Talk and. How are you, Nolan? I'm okay. In fact, I'm better than excellent, really. It's been a <laughs> glorious week, and um, I don't know, just glad to be alive and, and talking about books. It's the best thing on earth to do, really, in a lot of ways. So thank you again for including me in this. It's it's such a tremendous honor. I've been preparing for it for several hours, and it's something I get really excited about. So it's a lot well, of fun. I knew I better try to be a little more prepared this time. I couldn't let you get ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's no chance of that happening. <laughs> so, uh, again, thanks for the privilege of being part of it. It's it's going to be a good hour. We have a lot to do. So, so where do you want to start? Uh, you want to tell us about a good book? Okay. Yeah, I'd like to do that. Uh, uh, maybe a couple. Um but at least one to start us with. I've thought about, what's interesting about this is that a lot of folks won't necessarily think of it as a, as a good book. It's, let me get to it real quick here. Um, here it is. It's called The Miracle of Language, and you're already rolling your eyes. Most of you are trying to nod off, uh, or trying not to nod off because you still have a whole evening ahead of you. Like, why is he recommending this? I think for people who are readers, as those of us are who have joined this this meeting today, a book about language isn't necessarily such a horrible thing. And this is fairly short. Um, 
Again, it's called The Miracle of Language. The author is a guy named Richard Letterer. I'll spell his name, L-E-D-E-R-E-R. And um, the order number on this, if you are eligible to download books from the National Library Service for the Blind, is DB49416. Once again, DB49416. Um, so this is for people who who really do enjoy the English language. It's Most of us take it for granted. Most of us kind of think of it as something we have to endure. Some of us go back to seventh grade to that prune-faced, constipated English teacher we had who whacked us with the ruler when we said ain't or something, you know, some even when we broke some weird, obscure grammar rule. Those are unfortunate experiences when they happen. Um, but this book, even if you're not much of a thinker or, or someone who enjoys the language, is a lot of fun. Now, it's, a, it's over a 40-year-old book, so you might look at that and say, well, Nolan, why should I read something that old? Uh, that's stupid. Uh, give me something new on the topic, at least. Um, but I have a hunch that if you read this, you'll be placing electronic bookmarks all over in the book, especially if you're someone who actually enjoys reading. I think this will appeal to the readers among us here. Um, when he wrote the book, the author had a, a syndicated column that dealt with the miracle of English, and that was his whole week. I, th I think it was a weekly, but I'm not positive. Um, his whole point is that, that English began as a really backward, stupid language that nobody, almost nobody spoke, and it didn't offer much in terms of influence on the world. And it's changed, as you all well know. It's now become sort of the global currency, verbally speaking. And uh, it's certainly no longer a backward language with only a few hundred words. Um, he says the reason for that is that the English language is really permissive in that it loves to pull words in from other languages and make it its own, make those words its own. And I'm sure that's true. Um, we do it all the time. And, you know, taco certainly wasn't a, a originally an, an English word, but my goodness, everybody who speaks English can certainly know knows what a taco is, right? <laughs> and we do those kinds of things all the time. Um, he gives lots of examples of that here in the book. They're kind of fun. They're really good essays. What these are are really short essays. This is the perfect book if you're working from home and you got to govern yourself just a little bit. Say, okay, let's stick to the lunch hour. Can't be reading all afternoon. Got to get back to the, the good stuff after lunch. This is a great book to, to read because these essays are pretty short. And uh, he also points out, and this, this really intrigued me, every time you and I create a sentence, whether we're writing it or even speaking it, we're actually inventing language. Why? Because that sentence has never been used or written or spoken by anyone else in the same way. So isn't it cool, if you stop and think about yourself as a person, you are in very real ways an inventor of the English language. You are one of the people who are making it different. Um, that's a great concept, and I, I really enjoyed that. There's a section here on Shakespeare. That's normal. There's one on the... Uh, on Samuel Johnson, uh, dictionary guy. Um, Emily Dickinson gets referenced here because there's a small section on poetry, and that makes sense. So does Mark Twain. Um, if you think books like this are really boring and awful, and you've sort of endured my rant here for the last few minutes, you're like, oh, please, can we get on to the next thing? At least, at least download this and read the super short essay that looks like that, that's, that's all about a word 
that ended the lives of 150,000 people. I'm not going to tell you what that word is here, um, but uh, I suspect once you start the book, you're going to want to read it. This is not a grammar book, okay? That's what they, If you carry away nothing with you, take that at least. It's just a celebration of English as a beautiful language that has a lot of variety in it, lots to offer. There's a there's an essay on uh, libraries that are that are a lot of fun if you have good memories of libraries growing up. Um, the narrator is Carrie Cundiff, and she she does well. I would rather uh, have had this uh, under my Braille display because there's some words in here that I would love to have seen spelled and things of that nature. Again, it's called The Miracle of Language. And again, the author is Richard Lederer, L-E-D-E-R-E-R, DB49416. That's my nonfiction recommendation of the week. Very good. That sounds like a good book. It actually is. It's, you know, people see the title and they're like, oh, that sounds really deadly dull. But uh, he does a nice job. And if, again, if you're someone who reads more than a book every six months, uh, well, you might even especially enjoy this. Well, it's always interesting to learn how different words come about, how we yeah. come up with them. Yeah, and, and it's so much fun to, to look at English and how it's changed over the years. And oh, it's really cool. It's, they're short essays. Even if you decide this really isn't your kind of book, eh, snag a couple of essays and uh, just see what you think. How about you? What have you read this week that, that made a difference or maybe didn't make a difference? Maybe it's something you <laughs> want to warn people away from. Well, one of the books I read was called Blood Hollow, and it's part of the uh, William Kent Kruger series. It's book number four. Excellent. And it's one of those cartridge compilations. It's Blood Hollow, Mercy Falls, and Copper River. But Mm -hmm. I read just read the first one, and I like him because he, well, this book there's a a high school student that that ends up she she disappears and and Corporal Connor helps look for her and they find her later it's not a spoiler they find her that she's been murdered oh. after the thaw after the winter thaw because these books take place in this in Minnesota up from what I can tell up close to the not that far from Canada right okay and around and they they um are set around the Indian reservation, and so he tells a lot about the the Indian culture and the tribes. and And in this particular book, there's an Indian boy who who dated this girl, and he's the one that gets accused of murdering her. But Cork doesn't think he did it, so he sets out to prove that he didn't do it. And all kinds of other things happen. But one of the things I really like about these books is that nature and the weather and all kinds of things like that are almost as much characters in the book as the people. Isn't that great? So I, I, I've liked all of these. I wasn't real happy with the ending of this, but, you know, they can't always be wrapped up and happily ever after completely the way you want them. But, but I thought it was, it was very good. And it is Blood Hollow, Mercy Falls, Copper River. And it's written by William Kent Kruger, and that's K-R-U-E-G-E-R. And it's DB78937. Or if you don't want to search by the DB numbers, if you look for Blood Hollow, it will come up that way, too. 
That sounds wonderful. Uh, someone, uh, a very close friend of mine for whom I have a lot of regard and love and, and whose, whose books suggestions are, are often stuff that I find I, I didn't like, <laughs> but, uh, but his, his appreciation for William Kent Kruger is, 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 uh, top flight, I think. And, and, so I always pay attention to those, and I do enjoy those the books from that series. It's really you're right. The, the guy is a great writer. He's and he's I'll just, tell you another really good writer that I've read a couple of. I um, at least the first one is Sue Henry, and she writes a lot about the uh, about Alaska, mm-hmm. and she definitely makes the weather and the temperature. The first one I read was Murder on the Iditarod Trail, mm-hmm. and. Uh, she definitely makes the the weather because it keeps she keeps telling you oh it was twenty below zero and the wind was Oof. howling and, and, and she's another good one too and that's uh, Sue Hendry and if you're interested in the that book it was called Murder on the Iditarod Trail and the DV number is five five four eight zero. Very cool. And that's the first book in that series. And she is one of the um well, she's one of the participants in the in the in the race. Mm-hmm. And when someone is murdered, the state trooper asks her to help and she kinda goes undercover to find out if something was going on between some of the teens or what happened. And then yeah. they, they kind of start to fall in love with each other and but but that's another. If you're sounds like a great if, series. It is, and and if you like the the weather, I it's fascinating to me how how they can make that so much a part of the book. It's funny you'd mention that. One of the books that I was going to recommend this week to everyone is find it, Nolan. It's not why you're here to louse up the podcast. Uh, here it is. Um, yes, here it is. It's called Hungry as the Sea. Uh, is the Sea, I beg your forgiveness, Hungry is the Sea. The author is Wilbur Smith, Wilbur A. Smith. He's no longer alive, but when he was, he wrote some pretty amazing adventure stories. This one isn't perfect by any measure. There's some, some. I don't know if I would call them wide-open-door sex scenes. The door is at least ajar, so if you have a problem reading that stuff, be careful that it's coming and know that it's there. Um, here's why this was such a great book. You've mentioned people like Kruger and Sue Henry who use the weather and the, the scenery around them as almost characters. He does that with this book, Hungry is the Sea. The order number, should you be eligible to download things from the National Library Service, is DB49119. This is also available from Audible and, uh, Depending on your public library, you may be able to download it on Libby. And some week, really, maybe you and I need to have a chat about Libby and talk to people about what it is. Maybe they are already using it. I hope so. Um, but if not, we need to broaden that horizon a little bit and just talk to people about their the extreme importance of their public library. Because most folks who are blind or visually impaired, their first their first impulse might be to, to shrug off the public library. <laughs> All those print books, what good is that going to do me? And that was true for a lot of years, but I think we've had a real revolution in Libby, and I, I didn't mean to get off on that tangent, but th- this book is available there in some communities, I'm sure. Again, it's DB49119, Hungry as the Sea. What is the setup here? Well, the setup is that um, 
his style is so vivid. I just found myself yelling out loud in a couple of spots. And I, <laughs> I don't always get that involved in books, but this guy really drew me in and uh, made it come alive for me. I'm sure if I'd been wearing one of those medical heart monitors, they'd have called me up and said, are you okay? Um, <laughs> so Nicholas Berg is our main character real quick. He is a salvage guy. In other words, he, he looks for sunken ships, rip wrecks and things of that nature and finds treasure in them if he can or any whatever he can. His wife has left him, and she's taken with him the vast majority of the assets of the salvage company. So Nicholas is bitter. He's broke. He is his his wife is gone, taking with him a son whom he deeply and and genuinely loved. Um, he's still got that sense of adventure, however. Everything else seems to have been stripped away, but whatever makes the guy an adventurer is still there. So he risks everything he has on one last salvage adventure, one last salvage project, rather. And so on his first day. Um, a radio signal comes out that an ocean liner is in serious trouble. Most of its passengers are elderly and are not going to be able to, to swim or do much to save themselves. Um, they're near Antarctica, so it's going to be chilly, cold up there. They wanted to see some of the scenery of Antarctica, and so they took this cruise. Well, the liner is in trouble, and now Nicholas Berg has a choice. Does he salvage his original project that he was going to go, and it would have made him a moderate amount of money? Or does he work to save this ocean liner, which would stand him in the, the ability to, to make literally millions? Additionally, the ocean liner is connected to his ex-wife, from whom he is bitterly now divorced. So the, the opportunity to kind of stick it to her uh, is even better, you know, a big thing for him. Um, so he opts to go for the, the liner to try to save the ocean liner and those passengers. Um, and they deal with frozen seas. The, the ocean is merciless, and Smith describes all of that with extreme uh, graphic magnificence. He just really does a good job. One of the people on that ocean liner is a young woman named Samantha Silver. She's a marine biologist who lectures on the cruise about the marine biology in the Antarctic region. She's there to help the passengers better understand what they're seeing. She is vividly, brilliantly written here. Smith does a really nice job describing her to the point that it doesn't matter how old or young you are, what your gender is, uh, you're probably going to be immediately smitten with Samantha Silver just because of the way she is described. And uh, if he gets there first, he gets the millions. If not, uh, then everything he has is on the line and it's gone. He's lost it all. It's a great adventure. In my review years ago, I pointed out that this pits man against nature and man against man in a uh, in a clashing, grinding way that you won't soon forget. Um, I guess that's probably enough said because you just he really describes the ocean and he describes the icebergs and the cold coming off of it so much so that you know I just wanted to reach for a blanket. Um, I I originally I originally read this in March one year and. Uh, boy, I was still really, just because of the descriptions, it was really a, an experience. Again, that's Hungry is the Sea, the author Wilbur A. Smith, uh, DB49119. There are some, what I'm calling, uh, the door is somewhat ajar, sexual scenes you're going to be able to see into that bedroom. Uh, naturally, Nicholas Berg and Samantha Silver connect. Uh, that's pretty predictable trope stuff, but... Uh, um, be advised that that's possible, and you may have to skip some of it. I don't recall that I 
was banging on the fast forward button very often, very hard. <laughs> but there are people with different perspectives on this stuff. So. Oh, as long as there's a plot, I don't. Right, oh, it's magnificent. Yeah, a it's little really, race once in a while. As long as there's a plot, I just yes. don't want nothing. I'm a better. big fan of closed door sex scenes. Personally, I don't. Yeah, show that to me. I've got a better imagination than you can write, anyway. And um, yeah, but I'm with you. As long as that plot is holding up, and I can bang that fast forward button when I need to, <laughs> I, I will. So. Do That's uh, have... probably a second recommendation that I would uh, would bring, um, and it's great that you brought the William Kent Kruger because they really do sort of dovetail with one another in terms of their ability to describe places as almost characters. I don't see how they learn to do that because I mean you can just feel the the things that are happening when they. Like you say, it makes you cold when yes. you read about Alaska yes. and the wind yeah. and the. You're looking down there at your Fitbit, and it's sending you signals of of uh, heartbeat irregularity. Are you okay? <laughs> oh yeah. Or you go through the dark, deep forest, and oh, there's gosh. there's nothing around, and you hear the twig snap. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. It's uh, it's amazing stuff. Do you guys want to pause for a question or two in case we have any? Yeah, let's, questions let's you can raise your hand or you can call on the phone line at 317-886-1103 and I'll bring you in just wait till I bring you in and let you know it's acknowledge you that I'm bringing a caller in so moderators thank you and get ready in case we have any questions or you want to share a book with us maybe they don't Maybe they want to tell us about a book that that really affected them in some way that they've never forgotten for some reason or another. Well, see, we've got Beth with the raised hand, so Beth, go ahead and speak. Okay, and I want to apologize. I didn't realize that my um, that I was unmuted when I first came in until it told me that so i do apologize yeah for that. no problem and but i wanted to also let you know that i started i I'd on and off been reading some orphan train adventures oh, by joan lowry nixon i should really learn to be getting the number the the um I, I should be getting the number of those books and i i will because i want to be able to sometime tell you what order they're in. I really like doing that. I think there's seven of them, if I remember correctly, but the one I'm reading now is called Keeping Secrets. And is it, uh, is it a young people's book or an adult book? or? Actually, I would say it's for anyone, for everyone. Okay. okay. I mean, it's, it has to do with several children, mm-hmm. and their, their, I think their father had died, and then their mother was doing what she could to raise them. One of them was getting into a little bit of trouble, but then she had to talk to their pastor. Mm-hmm. And that, that they were having, the, the mother ended up having the pastor help them to be 
uh, um, farmed out to other families. I think that's the right phrase to use. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. It was, it's really something. And one of right. them, unfortunately, was living with a couple. The guy, the the man was really abusive, and the lady was rather vulnerable. And it's really something. That the, their son got him in a little bit of trouble. It's real some, something else. But there were other things. There were some good things that happened in there, too. And I'm just praying that I can get through the last two books because the bar didn't put them up until, oh, I want to say maybe a year ago or so. Okay. <laughs> they put the, uh, five of them up back, I think, at 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And then I, I read the I read as many of them as I could find then. Mm-hmm. And I was reading them on the NLS player but now now i've been reading books on the victor stream and i'm loving doing that and sure i kind of have fun finding out how long each chapter is i don't that know why i nice. like to do that but it's a nice feature one of those number numbers games or yeah no, that's a nice feature <laughs> well it's helpful because you can if you're like again if you're on a lunch hour boundary you can look at that and say "Ooh, that's going to be too long uh, yeah i don't Right. Yeah. And I, I also have been reading a, a bunch of Sherlock Holmes books over the years, and now I finally got one from Bard about Sherlock Holmes' childhood. And oh, excellent. I've got to read that one one of these times soon because I, I know, unfortunately, they say there's strong language in it. As long as it isn't the GD or the JC or the F, I can handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank okay, you for thank that. Thank you, Beth. <laughs> Those are great comments. We got Connie ready to go, I think. I vote that joins the meeting. All right, Connie, how are you this week? Is she unmuted yet? Let me see. And please remember when you're done with your comments, if you could remute, that would be helpful. Yeah. Okay, we're waiting. There you go, Connie. There you are. There you are. Um... I just wanted to tell you about a couple of authors that I enjoyed that I wouldn't mind reading the books again. One is um, Candace, C-A-N-D-A-C-E, Calvert, C-A-L-V-E-R-T. And she has three books. Unfortunately, there's more, but Bard hasn't gotten them yet. (laughs) That's what I hate because you get into books and then they don't get any more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways, um this is um she's a nurse and so she's written books and she um has named the hospital Grace Medical and one of the books is called The Trauma Team and all of her books have something to do with an incident that happens in the hospital and there's suspense fiction and romance or romantic suspense fiction, I guess is how you say it. Mm -hmm. And they're really good books. And then another one is Tori Hayden. Ah, yes. Um, T O R E Y H A Y D E N. Mm hmm. And she's a teacher of special ed kids. And I'm not, I, I have, I reviewed both of these authors for the DV, DB review. So I don't, I don't know if any of them are on here or not. But anyway, those are the, 
the authors that meant a lot to me, and I wouldn't mind reading their books again. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We talked last week, Jennifer, about the possibility of bringing a, of talking about a special character in a book. We but we said that the topic would be either a special book or author or a character. Right. I've got a couple of characters. If if you got a second, that I'd love to talk about real quick. Okay. Um, they're not all really well-known characters, but I think they have mattered to me enough that I've come back and reread them. One of these, and this is going to draw a little controversy here, maybe just because of the times we've lived through. One of these is a woman named Hannah, and she is a character in a book called Before This Is Over. And the author is an Australian named Amanda Hickey, and her last name is spelled H-I-C-K-I-E. Um, let me find her here. Oh, Nolan, come on. There it is. She is a, a, Hannah is, is married to a guy named Sean. They have a bunch of kids. She hears about a virus that breaks out in England somewhere. This was written in 2015. And Hannah has recently survived breast cancer. And so she's a little edgy, a little nervous about life itself and, and how delicate and fragile life is. And what would her kids do if she wasn't with them anymore? How would they survive? What what kind of things could she put in place? And so Hannah kind of became um, interested in having things on hand in case her family couldn't get them. This was before she heard about this little cough and cold virus in England. And uh, as it turned out, it was more deadly than a cough and cold and was beginning to sweep the entire globe And it eventually gets to her community in Australia, and it's now up to Hannah to try to protect her family, to to make sure that they're going to be okay, that they they get through this thing. Um, This is a gripping story about a woman who a lot of people on Goodreads gave her a, a negative review. I loved this character. She was practical. There were times when she had to take steps that were outside, you and I would say, are outside the pale. For example... One of the characters in the book is a three-year-old orphan. Her parents died because of the virus. And Hannah agrees to take the child in, even though it will further tax their food supplies. Um, but the child is, uh, Hannah insists that the child spend time in the family garage as a sort of quarantine to make sure that she's not carrying the virus. Well, a lot of Goodreads folks said, well, that's really cruel and that's nasty. And it was, but as a practical matter, it, it may have helped save the family. I liked her character, and I think of her often. She's just someone that I would want in my corner if if bad things happened. Um, And I know we've all lived through our own real-life pandemic, and nobody wants to read about fictional ones anymore. But if you really want a character study in someone who is both complex and and memorable, um, this woman really stood out for me, and I think of her often. In fact, during the real pandemic, I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm almost sorry she's fictional because I would love to know how she would handle the the real thing. And um, she, you know, she was super prepared. They had plenty of toilet paper. (laughs) They had all the supplies they needed, mostly, mostly. Things got really bad in the end because in her pandemic, they turn off the Internet, the electricity, uh, everything in society pretty well winds down um, until things get better. But uh, anyway, again, it's it's called Be- Before This Is Over, and I'm trying diligently to find a... Oh, here's the order number. Sorry. 
Uh, it's DB87752. Once again, DB87752. The narrator is herself Australian, so it lends a certain amount of authenticity. But uh, this character, Hannah, is someone whom I think about a lot as as the kind of person you would want in your corner and the person you would want part of your life if you get into a bad scrape. So that's that would be my first one. That's another one I have to add to my never-ending wish list. I think you'll enjoy it. I really do. Even though you've been through your own real-life pandemic, and um, it's it's worth reading. If you want a character who is somewhat younger in scope, I strongly, fervently recommend a little girl named Flavia Deleuze. And she is a young woman who lives in Victorian England. She was be- she was bequeathed a laboratory by an eccentric relative, uh, I think. Um, I can't remember precisely how she comes by it, but Flavia is an 11-year-old girl who is fascinated by chemicals and scientific experiments and poisons. She is a, a sort of a morbid little thing in many <laughs> respects, kind of a dark-spirited little girl. But uh, if you read that series, you you just can't help but fall in love with Flavia Deleuze. The author is C. Allen Bradley. And uh, the first book in the series is called As Chimney Sweepers Come to Dust. But the whole series is delightful. In one of the books, she Flavia uh, attempts to poison one of her older sisters, and they deserve it. They're, they treat her worse than horribly. It's a situation where mom has has died, and dad is very absent-minded, and he's not much of a father figure. And so little Flavia is left uh, at the mercy of two older sisters, and they don't have any mercy. They're just really horrible to her. But she is a delightful person in spite of her uh, penchant for looking at uh, things chemical and things poisonous. She solves mysteries in her community. That's what she's really good at. And uh, it's the whole series is absolutely delightful. I, I really can't recommend it strongly enough. It's a lot of fun, and that character is, is a young woman whom you will long, long remember. We do have one raised hand. I'm not sure who it is. It says iPhone. So, oh, I may have pulled my. Are you talking about me? I may have pulled my labeling out. Oh, that's okay. You okay, can still it's Don Horn. I think when I <laughs> I did some work on the phone and I may have deleted my name. We can so never rate, make mistakes. Um, <laughs> yeah, go right I, ahead. Flavia Deleuze is a wonderfully memorable character, but I don't think she's influenced me. But but I was very, very happy to hear mention of Tori Hayden because, you know, I'm a voc rehab counselor and when you work in the human services, particularly when you work for a government entity, a lot of times there's a put-pull between what regulations require and what actually needs to be done. And I've hit a number of times in my career where that became kind of overwhelming for me. That how do, And especially because I had a mentor early on in my career, a Catholic sister, and I made a promise to her that I take very seriously, that I would always put the person before the program. And then I took a job for the state. I was dumb and young, and I thought that, that of course, I'm going to make that promise. Then I take a job with the state, and I'm like, this is really difficult. But when I get really, really discouraged, 
Um, and I start thinking, what am I doing in this line of work? And how do I maintain? I go back and I read a Tori Hayden, not so much a fiction, but one of her nonfiction books. And they're all wonderful. There's one that I am not as fond of, but they're all really wonderful. And I don't usually do a lot of rereading. But that those books, and there's some new ones that are not up on Bard um, that I purchased. So she's written a few new. She didn't write for years, and then she wrote a few more. But those have actually, they're responsible for me staying in the job and actually feeling good about it and realizing because she, granted, sometimes she pushes the envelope a little far with, with things that she does. But her focus on these kids, and the way that she writes about her own reactions as she's going through working with them. So the books are not only about her work with the kids, but they're about how that work impacts the, her thoughts while she's doing other things, how it impacts her relationships. And it speaks to me in such a dramatic fashion that I actually believe that, that she has been helpful in keeping me employed. Wow. Where did you find those other those other books? The other books, I'm trying to remember. I think I think I actually ended up buying them um, as Kindle books. I may have found one of them on Bookshare. Um, all the earlier ones that were popular are up on Bard. The newer ones, but I've always, now this is how crazy things get, I've been looking, like every once in a while I will look to see does she have anything out just in case, and even though she hadn't written for a while, but I think, I know I purchased a few of them, Uh, I read a couple of them on the Amazon device, Uh, maybe I purchased them, but I didn't go through Audible, Um, I have to check, but I know they're available and I know that I read them in an accessible fashion. Okay. Great. Thank you. Call anytime. I don't care yeah, how you label. <laughs> Thank you. Um, any other listeners or, or Jenny, I've probably monopolized a lot of this. I have more characters, but I don't want to take the time if you have some. Why don't you uh, or other listeners jump in? I guess we've got Pam raising her yep. hand. Yep. Yes, I have a question. Sure. Noah, you were talking earlier about an Australian narrator. Yes. Um, do you know if we are any closer to getting our hands on international books? Well, actually, that treaty has been signed, and it's in place. Okay. Um, yeah, the short answer is yes. In fact, m- some of the international titles, specific, particularly from Canada, are already appearing on the National Library Service site. Um where our books here in the States have the letters D and B in front of the number. A lot of the Canadian books are DG something, DGI, DG, I don't know. I can't remember. Um, but they're, yes, the short answer to your question is that the, a lot of them are already starting to appear. All right, good deal. Thank so, you. Mm-hmm. Any other characters that I'm stick right. with you, that influence you, or authors? Jenny, do you have Not one? so much character, but I... The book that I that always comes back to my mind that Bill and I talk about lots of times is One Second After. Uh, yes. And I mean to tell you, uh, that book, it rips your heart out. Oh, 
I cried so hard in that in that book. I hate to admit it, but I mean it. It makes you for people who have no idea what we're talking about. There's a an electromagnetic something another that wipes out all of the power, all of the computers, all of everything, and planes are falling out of the sky. All of the cars stop on the highway, and that's just the beginning of what. Happens, and I swear to this day, every time the power stays out for very long, I pick up my cell phone and make sure it still works. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That is a that is one of the most. And he's written a. Um, no, he's written two other ones. He's I've written a never, second book called One Year After, and there's now a third one that's either out in just days ago or it's on the cusp. Uh, the author's name is William Forstjen. Yeah, yeah. I've got to look up that spelling. Uh, give me just a second, and I can do that. Maybe. Um, um, yeah, hold on. It's based in North Carolina. He is a, it's a great writer. He is a phenomenal writer. You read one year after, didn't you? Yeah, I read that, and I read the third one. I believe it's called. That could be. Was one year after as good as one second after? I don't yeah, know. I thought well, it was pretty well, close. It was pretty close, but yeah, I know. Thinking, I've read a few other books along that way, but nobody tops his his book. Right. And what was that man's name? John. I'm John. trying to pull it up here. I can't remember the character. Oh. I think his name was John. For I'm some misspelling reason. the name here. Hang on. I sometimes I'm so clever that I fail in terms of these searches. Oh, I've done Wait it a many a time. <laughs> And while you're doing that, I'll we'll call on Joe. Yes, let's do. Go ahead, Joe. Unmute yourself and go. Okay, th- thank you very much, book club. Anyway, some books I have read in the past in Braille when I lived in Minnesota years ago was Ray Bradbury's Martian Chronicles. Now, it was hand-copied. Oh, our, our, our library still had it in Minnesota Regional Library, but was hand-copied in, in Braille. Good old Braille is beautiful. Yes, it is. And so that's that's actually, and then science fiction authors, Isaac Asimov is actually one of my favorites I read in the talking book. But uh, Martian Chronicles, Ray Bradbury, written some years ago, whether you would find it on any kind of a listing right now, I, I, I don't know. Um, did you read The Martian, Nolan? I did, and I also read Martian Chronicles. <laughs> They're both great. They're- <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, the Martian, no, they- I really, I like that that character in The Martian. Oh, that guy went Mark through Watney. so much stuff. Yeah, he's phenomenal. And found so many ways to survive. The character you were thinking of is, in fact, John Matherson, or Matherson, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, in the One Second After is the book. And... The guy spells his name F-O-R-S-T-C-H-E-N. William Forstgen. Um, the order number is DB... If you can order from the National Library Service. Um, the order number is DB... Gosh, what happened here? Um, hang on. 69145. DB69145 and 
It's a great book. You're right. Uh, Ray Fouché narrates this, and he's just he's perfect for the book. He does a great job with it. Um, if, hi, this is Ellen. Um, there's a couple of books that I read way back in the day. <laughs> um, one was uh, uh, we probably all have read it, but Great Expectations. Uh, you know, I have not read that. I'm probably the last living American not to have read it. So go ahead and talk to us about that. Yeah, that was that one is um, about you know about the Amish and how. The, how the how the Amish live a, a, sim, a simple oh. life and all that. And I'm thinking I, of a different one by that title. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, I, I found that really interesting. And then the other one that I read way back in the day, and I actually did a presentation on it when I was in school, was an autobiography of uh, John Denver, and I found that one really interesting. Oh, bad. Yeah, and the way I did that, because I did the presentation after I read it, is I took, I had some of his music, and I still do, but I just played that in the background using the PH recorder. Nice. And it worked, and that's what made the presentation came up, come out real well, the way I did that. So Fantastic. I just, I just wanted to mention that those, I, I don't do a whole lot of, talking book reading but me i i love my braille <laughs> so. mm -hmm. that's good we're glad you're here because you can can talk about those folks that, that are braille readers i do too i i read a lot of braille but not if i'm reading for speed i usually use the audio but if i want to really love the book I'll, I'll turn to the braille edition every time yeah because that way i can just read it at my leisure that's and, correct you know Yep. Put your own voices to it. You're, oh, you're, yeah. you're not well, in at the realm of a, at the you know depending on the reader. Not only that, but even now this is a good excuse to read. And you know, if if the electricity goes out, that's something you can do to occupy your time. Well, the that's right. That's right. And and fortunately, we can we can still buy books if we want to, like National Braille Press. And, sure. Sure. And other sources. The exactly. NLS on demand program is good too for that sort of thing, though. They'll print a few of those a month for you at no cost. I was going to say, it's nice to, hear, nice to see you again, Nolan. That's oh, cool. thank you. Very kind of you. Thank you, um, guys. You want to start? We've got 10 minutes left. Yeah, so. you, you have time for one more character? Uh, of course one we more do. Character? Yes, we do. I'll keep it brief, I promise. <laughs> one of the people who has influenced me a lot over the years is an unlikely character. He's fictional. But I wish he weren't. In fact, I wish he were kind of my neighbor. I would really love to hang out with this guy. Some of you may be aware of him. He is Rabbi David Small. And uh, the author, the actual author, is a guy named Harry Kemmelman. Let me get that spelling for you. Um, his last name is spelled K-E-M-E-L-M-A-N. It's just one M in there. And uh, the one I'll mention, the book I'll mention just as for the podcast links, is called Wednesday the Rabbi Got Wet. And what this author has done is taken each day of the week, and he's written a book based uh, uh, based on this wonderful fictional character um, who solves mysteries. And they're very dated. This These were all written back in the 70s. And so what you get is a snapshot of what it was like to be a somewhat conservative Jewish person in the 70s. And now I'm not Jewish, but I've I've come to really love this uh, this fictional character. Why do I say that? Well, 
Rabbi Small is one of these guys who is just a, a, a nice philosophical guy. He's he's the guy with whom you could have a conversation and and you'd come away shaking your head saying, ah, I never thought of it like that. That's yeah, that's pretty amazing stuff. He uh, you may have met people like that in your life. Maybe they're the kind of people who are relatively quiet, but when they have something to say, they're pretty wise in and philosophical in, in what they say. And it, it's not obnoxious. It doesn't drive you crazy because you've come away so much better off having had a conversation with those kind of people. I've known a few of those. There aren't many out there in the world of, of uh, you know, serial narcissists. There aren't very many out there who are just humble, decent people who elevate your life in conversation. Um, the, the book I want to talk about, as I said, is, is Wednesday the Rabbi Got Wet. And uh, this is a great story about an old cantankerous guy named Jacob Kessler who is murdered. And initially, the local police chief accuses a, a pharmacy of making a mistake and killing the guy. He was allergic to penicillin and bad things happened, but uh, not so fast because Rabbi Small gets into the story and digs up a whole bunch of other possibilities. Could be a family member inadvertently or deliberately overdosed the guy and killed him. Uh, it might be a mistake or it might be a, a real reason that the pharmacy decided or somebody at the pharmacy decided to kill this old gentleman. Um, you, you, the reason that I love this book and these characters is that Rabbi Small always uses his scriptures as the kind of basis from which he forms the solution to his mysteries. And it's fascinating how he does it. He's not preachy. Um, and he's always struggling with his, his fellow members of his synagogue. There, a lot of them don't see things the way he does. And so that makes life hard for Rabbi Small. And for example, in one, in this particular book, his, synagogue is bequeathed a very valuable retail lot in town and they want to sell it and build a retreat in vermont and rabbi small says no no that's what the christians do they retreat from life we who are jews must celebrate life and participate in it and so he's opposed to the sale and you you will understand it better if you read the book uh, how they this all dovetails together my point though is that uh, the rabbi is just a decent wonderful guy and he's a thinker, a deep thinker. He's one of these guys with whom you could share a real vexing personal problem. And he would say, well, you know, Moses told us this. And, and he'd give you some old ancient piece of wisdom that make you almost uh, slap your head and say, ah, I never thought of it that way. That's great. <laughs> so that's Rabbi David Small. The books are uh, written by Harry Kemmelman. The one that I'm featuring here is uh, order number, if you can order from the National Library Service, is DB10502. Once again, DB10502. Incidentally, it's read by Leon Janney, the great radio, uh, uh, old-time radio uh, actor, who read a lot of also a lot of talking books as well. So, again, that's Wednesday, The Rabbi Got Wet. Great book. Anything else, Jennifer? Before no, we start you know, wrapping it up. Um, of course, there's always Harry um, Bosch. I can never yes, forget he's him either. Mm -hmm. always, and for, you know, for kids' stuff, think about someone like Charlotte's Webb. What a, gee, that little talking spider uh, was oh, a yeah. influence on me <laughs> when I was a little kid. Uh, she was amazing. Um, she was. 
Beverly Cleary books. My gosh, a lot of us are old enough to have read Beverly Cleary. Or Mary Poppins. I like Mary Poppins. Oh, that too. (laughs) Yep. Henry and Ribsy. And oh gosh, there are so many that we could have talked about that dealt with young people. So next week, what do you think if we look at a topic about the, the places books have taken you? Where have you gone based on books that was that really stood out for you? And it doesn't have to be a real place. It can be a fictional place. So give it some thought and drop in next week. And let's do a, a thing on the places books have taken you to. Does that work? Yeah. That works. That sounds good. That sounds good. We want to remind both of you that the email list is up. So you just... Go to legendoldies.com, click on talk, scroll down and subscribe to the list. It won't take but a few seconds, and you can reach us there. The podcast will be up. They're not on iTunes yet, but will be hopefully by the end of the week. And you can keep in contact with us. And Jenny, you also gave them an email last week. If they don't contact you on the list, or did you give them one? I did. If, if you want to contact me personally off the list, my email is jsparks752 at gmail.com. And you can reach me at nolan, N-O-L-A-N, period, crab, C-R-A-B-B, at gmail.com. I think I'm going to call you for repair of the legend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and we want to we want to take a ride on the music bus again. Oh, that's very kind of you to remember. Yeah, thank you. Was that? A, that was oh, I remember times. that show. That was a good, yep, a good, good show. Times, We're in the midst now, Nolan, of updating. It's about time, updating the the legend a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not a little bit, but a lot actually. Mm-hmm. So it's time. It was time Good. then. It's time now. Good for you. So that means progress. Well, we have to. So we're going to do that. And Great. thank you for your time. Thanks everybody. And we're going to keep promoting the show. We we did about the same on listeners this week. So tell your friends. We will yep. be here. So you can reach us by phone, Zoom, in all kinds of ways. And you can listen to the podcast. Um, if you want to, so it's there on the podcast. So, absolutely. Again, thank you very much, and we'll do our our best we can and keep that books discussing. And some week we're going to discuss maybe the different players you use to listen to books with, because that's sure. going to be widening. We can do that pretty soon too. Yeah. Next week, go the places you'll go. How about that? Right. Books? Like, I may go to Australia again, or who knows go. where I'll go. Yeah. Las Vegas. So have a great <laughs> week, everyone. And All thank right, you. And thank all. you, moderators. Thank you. Good night.